Welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Boschel. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. So my message tonight is, it is the sick that needs a physician. And before you get all religious, everybody has some kind of a sickness, okay? Because some people think, I don't need church and I don't need a saviour. Well, your sickness may be offence. Your sickness may be a sin. I don't know what, but we all need a saviour and we all need to walk closely or in a close relationship with this physician. So so, so let's just do Bible tonight, okay? Um, I brought this Bible up here. Um, you know, I'm not, no, let me not say that. Um, almost I said, I don't want to bring a white Bible up here, but uh, whatever. I don't know where those thoughts come from. <laughs> okay, that's my naughty mind. Um, I don't have one in any case. And Jesus wasn't white either, by the way. So uh, in Luke chapter 5, verse 13, and hear me tonight, please, because when we lose this, we lose everything. The church is not a club. It's not a social club. It's not a place of entertainment. The church is the hope of the world, and the church is God's hospital in society. That means people who come to church are all on a journey. There is not one just. There is not one perfect. No matter how perfect you think you are, you are not. You have spots, you have blemishes, and you need to be in the house of God for Jesus to wash you. And may I remind you that the Bible says He will present to Himself a church without spotted wrinkles. So let's get into the Word. Some Scriptures, some understanding so we can understand what the church is about and who it is for and who is excluded from coming to church. Amen. Who? Oh, not according to your social media post. In Luke chapter 5, verse 30 to 32, the scribes and the Pharisees complained against the disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners. <laughs> That's why I go to gym. I haven't been in gym for five, year, five years, it looks like it, yeah. Five months because of a major so- shoulder operation, but I'm starting again. Next year, I'm gonna look like some of you. But uh, Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have come to not come to call the righteous, righteous in their own eyes to repentance, but sinners to repentance. The Passion Translation says, but the Jewish Jewish religious leaders and experts of the law complained to Jesus' disciples, why should you defile yourself by eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? One of the reasons I don't always hang out with Christians because I don't want to become to Christianese where all you do is quote scriptures and you lose touch with reality. I thank God. You know, sometimes people say, Pastor, I'm praying that God puts me in a Christian company. And I say, please don't pray for that. You need to be the influencer in that ungodly company. You need to be the influencer in the university. You don't need this little bubble. You need to be in the world. You're not of the world and you don't have to be afraid that you're going to lose your salvation. But sinners should be comfortable with you. I said, sinners should be comfortable with you. Jesus was a friend with sinners, tax collectors, and the Pharisees had a problem with it. You know, I ride motorbike, okay? And um, Pastor Andre rides with me, Pastor Jack. I choose who I ride with. I don't ride with Christians for many reasons, okay? So figure that out for yourself. (laughs) let's just leave that there so um, yeah now some of you are judging me but you don't even know why I say don't ride with Christians because they get so boring 
that um, there's no conversation. You get somewhere and they all just sit and they want a hallelujah. I don't want a hallelujah from the morning till evening. And I'm sure you want a happy marriage. Your husband doesn't want to hear your hallelujah in the bedroom. Maybe Honolulu. <laughs> or the hula hoop or whatever. Okay. So, <laughs> why would you defile yourself? Because that's what people think when we hang out with sinners. They actually think we are sinners. So they had a problem. Because Jesus, it doesn't say he was a friend of religious people. It says he was a friend of sinners. And doesn't Jesus know it's wrong to do that? So Jesus overheard their complaining and said, who goes to a doctor for a cure? Those who are well or those who are sick? I've not come to call the righteous, quote unquote, because there is none righteous. Self-righteous, but there is no one righteous or justified outside of God's grace. Your works, your perfection in your sight does not make you accepted to God. You are accepted because of the sacrifice of Jesus and you are righteous because of the blood Jesus shed on Calvary because He made Him to be sin who knew no sin that we might become or be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So tell the person next to you, in the sight of God, you are righteous. So He says, I have not come to call the righteous, but to call those who know <laughs> they are sinners and bring them to repentance. You know, you want to listen to the teachings of Jesus Christ and people that are quick to point out the flaws in other people. Jesus goes a little bit further than a physical adultery, which is a sin in the sight of God. He says, if you look at a woman with lustful thoughts, you have committed the act of adultery. Equal in the sight of God to prove that there is no one justified. There is no one perfect. There is no one that has no past. And as I said this morning, some of you are saved fornicators, saved drunkards, saved extortioners, saved drug dealers, saved homosexuals, saved, you are saved from your past life. Come on, never forget what God has done in your life and never look down the nose on other people. Never down your nose to other people because now, You've got it all together according to you. I don't care if it was 40 years ago, if you slept with that girl before you married her, you fornicated, and now you are a, a, a safe fornicator. So you want me to talk to you like that? No. Because we don't want to be reminded of our past. And therefore we don't doubt, point out people's sin. Any doctor knows that to be a good doctor, you do not treat symptoms. You treat the cause of the symptoms. I know many doctors get fed up with patients and they just give them medication and they keep them dependent on the medication because they're symptomatic doctors. And I'll tell you something about Jesus Christ. He's not a symptomatic savior. He's a savior that has the antidote for your sin. He's the savior that has the remedy for every disease spiritually, mentally, emotionally that you may have. So you need Jesus, my brother, all the days of your life and you must always remember where you come from. Never, ever get on your high horse. Never, ever claim that you are perfect because even if you were raised in a Christian home like my children, they were born in sin and they had to get saved and born again and understand the love of God is not based on their perfection or their works. That was what religious people never understood because what does religion do? Religion is symptomatic and you're never gonna change anybody while you deal with symptoms. You have to deal with the root and not the fruit. The fruit shows you there's a problem. So now you have to dress the problem, not religiously, not with anger, not with legalism, not with a rule book. Because the Bible says in Romans 8 chapter three, very, very clearly what the law could not do, 
The law could not correct human behaviour. The law could not eradicate the desire for sin. So if you put a brick on somebody's head and you uh, build a fence around that person to try and stop them from sinning, they'll stay in the fence until the day they can climb the fence and then they are going to go and they are going to go and sin. So what does Jesus do? He comes with the antidote. He comes with a remedy, which is what? The gospel of Christ, which declares what? The love of God for humanity. Hallelujah. The unconditional love of God that everybody is welcome, no matter who you are, no matter your status, no matter your background. No, oh, you can rejoice and shout and praise God. No matter how undeserving you are, how unworthy you are, you are welcome in the presence of God as you are. Because God loves you where you are, who you are, and God reaches you where you are. We want people first to repent and then come to Jesus. It's impossible because repentance is not a human act. Repentance is the consequence of being touched by the love of Jesus Christ. So people preach it back to front. They say you have to repent and come to Jesus. You can't. You can't fix yourself. You can't heal yourself. You can't earn God's forgiveness. He has forgiven you 2,000 years ago when He died for you on the cross of Jesus Christ. So when you receive Jesus, I'll prove it to you from the Bible, and you are touched by the remedy, the antidote, which is the unconditional love and acceptance of God. It breaks the power of sin over your life and gives you for the first time the ability to repent from a life of sin. Come on. And then you can say, I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found cross before me, the world behind me. Oh, come on. Help the preacher tonight and give him a praise there on Faith TV. So the church is what? A hospital. The church is a place where there are no perfect people. Ek is jammer my broer. Ek sê nie, jy moet gaan sondig nie. Maar hoe heilig jy ook kan lewe is jy nie sondig, sonde vry nie. Want selfs jou gedagtes van selfrechtverdiging of jou gedagtes, soos hy fariseer in die tollenaar wat gestaan en bid het, en die fariseer kyk op na die jimmel en hy sê, Jere, ek dankie dat ek nie soos hierdie sondaar is nie. Ek gaan kerk toe. Ek vloek nie soos my bierman nie. Ek drink nie soos my bierman nie. Ek slaap nie rond nie. Ek is gee my tiendes. Ek is beter, en die tollenaar staan daar, en hy slaan nie sy oor op na die hemel toe, en hy sê, Heere, ek is nie, wa- ek is nie waardig nie, vergewe my, een genadige sondaar, and Jesus says, which one of these two went away justified? I want to remind you, my brothers and my sisters, those of you that have been born again for many years, I've been saved now tomorrow for 40 years, come and give the Lord a praise, on the 14th of November 1982, Jesus Christ saved me, Oh, give God a praise. Rejoice a little bit with me in Jesus' name. And I've seen when we forget. That's why every time I give an altar call, I see myself. No matter how good I live, how righteous I live, I can never forget. I'm a sinner saved by grace. You can never take the high road of self-righteousness if you remember what Jesus did for you. That you were sick as well. You were blind as well. You were totally lost as well. You made mistakes. You were forgiven. Now somebody makes a mistake and you have no mercy. Be careful that that spirit of the Pharisee doesn't get a hold of your heart and your mind. So in Luke chapter 4 verse 18, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Passion translation. He's anointed me to be the hope for the poor, healing for the brokenhearted. Because sin breaks you, messes you up. New eyes for the blind, to preach to prisoners. You are set free. I've come to share the message of Jubilee, that you are forgiven. Your debt has been cancelled. 
for the time of grace, acceptance has begun. What is the greatest need in a human? Not for a loaf of bread, but for unconditional love and acceptance. Hear me very carefully. You want to win your friends that are struggling with identity. You want to win your friends that have departed from God. Your friends that have gone into a promiscuous lifestyle. You are not going to win them by being uppity up and miss holy poly, whatever that is. You are going to have to remember and love them where they are. And yes, the difficult part, accept them where they are and for who they are. So accepting a sinner does not mean you condone the sin and neither does it mean you condemn the sinner. You love the sinner, you hate the sin. But you do not break the sin and the power of sin by pointing out the sin in that person's life. You love, 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 because love is the chemotherapy as cancer or as chemotherapy is to cancer. Love is the liberating light of sin in a human heart. Nothing else will change a human heart. And until the heart is not changed, the behaviour will never change. So, it's very easy and that's why Jesus, when He talks, you need to read the Bible and actually see how Jesus talks. And uh, He says, why do you look for the speck in your brother's eye and you don't see the beam in your own eye? That beam of self-righteousness is worse than the speck of sin in your brother's life. When you look at your brother, he should not duck. He should not feel guilty, condemned, ashamed. He should feel love, no matter what he does. I did not say you accept what he does. I said you love him unconditionally. So Mother Teresa says, I used to believe that prayer changes things, but now I know that prayer changes us and we change things. So I don't understand people that claim to pray a lot and they mean. Because when you spend time in the presence of Jesus, Jesus rubs off on you and Jesus is compassion. And Jesus came into a sinful world, the Holy God, He came into a sinful world and He came and He befriended sinners. And he touched sinners. You know, remember, I'm, I'm, I'm now in the ministry 36 years. First of September is 36 years. I come out of this legalistic school where we also classified certain sins. It was you got A grade, B grade, C grade, D grade, E grade, and then there are sins that don't really matter. Read your Bible. Read your Bible and you see God puts them all together. From adultery to fornication to greed, to lying, to gossiping, to homosexual. He puts it all together in one category. He doesn't single out one and says, this one stands above everything else. He puts it in all one category. Extortion, gossip, slander. There's one sin in the New Testament that God tells us to mark and that is the one who causes division. He doesn't say mark the adulterer or mark the fornicator or mark the thief. Those people we need to save. It's like I'm talking to a bunch of angels. Are you already in heaven? It's like I'm speaking Spanish here. Those thoughts in your mind, anger is a sin. So you want a preacher that stands up every week and says, you ex-fornicator, you ex-liar, you ex-cheat, you divorced your wife, etc., etc., etc. No, we deal with the remedy, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is getting people into the hospital, which is eradicating condemnation and guilt and shame and giving people the freedom and the liberty to access the grace of God. For by grace and grace alone you are saved. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Your rule book will not change anybody. 
Your restrictions will not change anybody. The only thing that will change human beings is the love of Jesus Christ. Unconditional love, mercy and grace. Say Amen in Jesus' Name. I mean, I loved my kids no matter what they did and they weren't always angels, you believe me. Sorry. But I love them. And they, I mean, Angelique was an A category. No, uh, okay, A is now the lowest. Angelique was an A category sinner. Chanel was a B category sinner. David was a D category sinner. And, and Marcus was like a, 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 a J category sinner. And I think Marnu was an undercover pious. <laughs> this was my conversation, okay, with my, with my son-in-laws before they marry my daughters, okay, honest. I said, have you ever seen pornography? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I said, okay, okay, and I, I don't say you did. Did you wait, it's drunk in your liver? Yeah, yeah. I say, thank God I found the two perfect boys for my daughters that have never, ever, 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 ever did anything wrong. Perfect for my daughters. Ever, ever. Did you ever tell a lie? No. Well, I lied when I was three, four years old. I stole my mother's money when I was five years old. I don't even know why I did it. Because you were born in sin. So I used to go to a person, take money and put it in a sock. I don't even know what I was going to do with the money. I had the nature of, of a sinner. Nobody taught me to lie. I didn't go to school to lie. I lied. You all lied. You were all a bunch of liars until Jesus saved you. You all told lies. No such thing as a white lie. You all lied. You all had wrong thoughts. All of you. See, you never came to Jesus worthy. You came sick. I pray to God that Christians get this because when you deal with a cancer patient, you, you, you're trying to get rid of the um, cancer and you don't begin to fight with a cancer patient and get upset with a cancer patient that the cancer has not left their bodies yet. So we can't do that to Christians. We have to get them into God's presence, get them into God's grace and trust the love and the grace of God that they are a work in progress and God will eradicate that desire for sin out of their lives and bring them to a place of repentance. But no doctor tells a patient, this is the last time you see me because you're not responding to chemotherapy. But people want us to do that to people who come to church. They say, people are not changing, people are doing this, so why don't you chase them away? Hey, my brother, I'm never chasing anybody away. You can come as broken as you are, as messed up as you are, as often as you have failed and fallen. You don't run from God, you run back to God. You run into the presence of God because there is no redemption anywhere else but in the presence of God. And I'll tell you, when you feel the lowest and when you feel the worst and when you feel the furthest away from God, God will not turn His back on you. God's gonna stand there and God's gonna love you and God's gonna heal you. And God forbid that you have a counselor that throws a rule book at you and demand repentance from your life if you have not come to that place of full persuasion. That's why it's a journey. Seeking God is a journey. Spiritual growth is a journey. We need to make room for God's grace and stop a legalistic approach when we deal with people. Stop it in the name of Jesus Christ and give space for God's grace. If God could save me, a racist, a drunkard, a violent person, a cursor, every kind of vile sin in my life, if God could save me in a moment 40 years ago. Don't tell me there's not hope for people. Don't tell me that Jesus is not powerful enough. Don't tell me there's a solution outside of the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ because there is not. Please, those of you that have been Christians for a long time, be careful that you forget what God has done for you. Even if it's 40 years ago, 
and you slept with that girl in university. You did it. But now it's forgotten. But you point out the young person who does it. Not reminding you of your sin. I'm telling you, don't be legalistic. Your oma was not so perfect, man. oma met die bolle. Sy lekker gejol. No Bible, 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 say. Ja, sy was wild gewees. Sy was sikkie een van die wilde tannies op die, op die, in die universiteit gewees. Jy het daar geene. Sit jylle nou en kyk vir my so. God is not impressed by your sanctimonious, religious, pious behavior. God sees your heart for Him and for people. And Jesus came to this world to save sinners. I don't care what you label the sin. He came. The Bible says, for this reason, the Son of God was manifested that He may destroy the works of the devil. He says, for this reason, Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. You see, Paul, the greatest apostle that walked this earth, the part of Jesus Christ, never forgot what Jesus did for him. That he was a murderer, a persecutor, a slanderer. He never forgot that it was God's grace and God's grace alone that saved him. That's why he preaches grace in every epistle. The remedy, the remedy, the remedy, not the sin, the remedy. So we want to see you outgrow things. Like the doctor wants to see people, the symptoms or the cancer or the blood count change, right? So it's a journey. So stop being hard on yourself. The work he started, he'll finish. The work he started in other people, he will finish. And sometimes you have to take a step back and allow God to work in people's hearts. And all you have to do is love you. Love that person, no matter what. Love. Can you do that? Love. Love your brother. Love your sister. So Mother Teresa says, being unwanted, unloved, uncared for, forgotten by anybody, I think is much greater hunger and much greater poverty than the person who has nothing to eat. And I saw it last week again. These thousands of people standing at that altar broken and the next day so many came to me still crying from the day before because they just felt God's love because they messed up. Do we forget people are messed up? Do we forget what happens out there in the real world? Do we ever go beyond the confines of our little religious circles, our home cell, our little family, our church service to actually see what's going on in the world and we get close to the pain of humanity again and we feel the heart of God for people that are broken, messed up, people that chose not to be there, that would never chose to be abused, never chose to be outcast, downtrodden, despised, humiliated, their dignity taken away from them. And here comes Jesus Christ to those very people that the religious leaders of the day taught were unworthy and were not uh, good enough for God's love. And He breaks every law and He breaks every rule and He crosses every boundary and He loves the unloved and He lifts up those that society calls outcasts like the Samaritan woman who had five husbands that was living in an adulterous relationship. He has a conversation with her. He doesn't say, woman, clean up your act. Then we will have a conversation. He loves her and He shows to her what you are looking for is the love of God and the unconditional acceptance that God loves you in spite of you and that your dirt doesn't deter God from loving you. The stain and the stench of your sin does not keep a holy Saviour from touching you because when the unclean is touched by the clean, the unclean will become clean. When the unholy is touched by the holy, the unholy will become holy. Oh, come on! 
in Jesus' name. That's why Jesus came into this world. He walked this world. He put on flesh and He touched the most broken. He touched the most lost. He touched those who felt the most unworthy. And everybody that was touched by Jesus was changed and the power of sin was broken over their lives forever. There ain't no power like the power of the love of God. Hallelujah. Come on, give God a, a praise for the love that He has shown to you when you least deserved it. May God's love touch you through this television tonight. May you remember that God loves you as you are where you are. Jesus loves you. Amen. Amen. Come on, give them a hand clap. She says the greatest disease in the West today is not TB or leprosy. It is being unwanted, unloved, uncared for. And we've all been there, right? Hello? We can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, and many people mess up because of loneliness, and this is what this COVID pandemic did, we're dealing with the aftermath of COVID pandemic. Part of the identity crisis in young people is because they were isolated. They were taken out of healthy schools, societies and out of the church. And that loneliness and online nonsense confused many of them. So we need to get our young people back in church. Say amen, Pretoria. Because God promised us a great youth revival right here in Pretoria and also in Bloemfontein and in Cape Town and in Potsdam and in every CRC church. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Nothing else. No perfect person can enter His presence because there is none perfect. Get a soft heart again. Get a heart for God, then you'll have a heart for people. First sign of religion is that you don't have a heart for people and you become judgmental and critical. That's a sign that you've become religious. You're out of touch. Now youth revival started in Bloomingdale many years ago and we've seen hundreds of thousands saved just in the church in Bloomingdale. God spoke to me about a youth revival and I had these elders in the church and in those years, believe it or not, I preached in a three-piece suit. Sunday morning, Sunday evening. Okay, how many of you remember that? Double-breasted nochal. Imagine me in that. Actually, I look good in it. Okay. But then God speaks to me about a youth revival and I stand up there with my suit and the young people come and think, you can't dress like this. So it was either that or a bishop's robe. A t-shirt or a bishop's robe. So I decided, I think a t-shirt will be better. Amen. Because my anointing isn't in this. It's yeah. But you become all things to all people to win them. Doesn't mean you, 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 you sleep with a prostitute to save her, but it means you sit down with a prostitute without condemning her, understanding why she's doing what she's doing. Not telling you you should not. Us that have worked on streets for years, and that's where my ministry started, I saw why people do what they do. And I won them out of that, not by telling them what you're doing is wrong. Beautiful girls, young girls that would give themselves for 50 rand to a truck driver because they had no way to feed the baby. And you can sit there today and say it is sin. Yes, it is. But there's something much greater there. There's a hurting person. There's a broken person. There's a desperate person that needs love, that needs somebody that will care for them. Somebody, oh, come on, man. There's somebody that will help them and give them options outside of selling their bodies. There are many in the world who are dying for a piece of bread, but there are many more dying for love. Don't forget what lifted us. Have we forgotten? The Bible says charity begins in the household of faith. The Bible says, by this all men will know we are His disciples by the love we have one for another. We cannot just write one another off like this. How will the world ever want to be part of the church? 
Sometimes, you know, if, if it wasn't for the call of God, I don't think I'd be a Christian. I have to tell you, tell you very honestly. Because sometimes the most disloyal people are Christian people. Because before I got saved, we used to fight every Friday, Saturday. It's not a boastful thing. It's reality. I got arrested many times publicly, fought in cafes, fought in restaurants, fought anywhere, everywhere. That's what I did. Rebellious, riotous, and uh, arrested three times. But one thing I can tell you, when we walked into a place, the people I walked with stood with me like this. They had my back. I had their back. You hit my friend, I hit you. You liberty my friend, I liberty you. That's the school I come out of. I don't understand this Christianity where people just abandon you, forsake you, stab you when you think they are actually with you. But like this, at the drop of a hat, they will just turn against you. I didn't even have that in the world. Never. We were like this man. Now we Christians and we spiritualize everything in the name of the Lord. And we violate every principle of love. Which is I have your back. Because the armor of God is designed for offense, not for defense. The one who should protect your back is your brother. There's the vulnerable part, your back, the gossiper, the backstabber, the backbiter. There's the person that shows the world. I don't want to be part of a church because those people cannot even love one another. How are they ever going to love me? My brother, my sister, Paul writes again and again, and he says, let love be without hypocrisy to the church. He says, let love be a real thing. Jesus says, by this, all men will know. You are my disciples by the love you have one for another. Paul warns, he says, if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Watch what you say about the other young student, your sister. You are there to cover that person, to protect that person. Sad thing, social media showed how Christians attack one another. I've never seen a post from a Muslim attacking another Muslim. Have you? Never seen a post from a Jew attacking another Jew. Have you? No. Never seen a post where a Hindu exposes or attacks another Hindu. Never. And we who are supposed to be God in action, love personified, do more harm because we can't do the basic, which is love God, love your neighbor. And before we even can talk about loving the world, we have to love one another. <laughs> you know, when, 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 uh, when, when people joined our gang, not that it was a gang, but there were like these few gangs in Bloemfontein and uh, there were places that you would go. I will not say I was the only African brigade in the man in our geval. In our geval. So as you know, no. You know, you know what they always say, you know what they always say, you know what they always say, and as you know, lekker gedrink het nie lekker, and it's not lekker om te drink nie. But as you know, the whole day gedrink het, dan praat jy mis nou, jy maak jou plan en dan sê, laat ons gaan en daai oons meer gesels. <laughs> Amen. And we moved as one. Hello church. Hello. We want to reach the world and we can't love one another. We want to reach the world and we love up to a point. We want to reach the world and we love without mercy and grace. We want to reach the world and we love one another with judgment, which is reserved for Christ alone. Give me a heavenly break, CRC. If we are gonna see revival, which we will, we better get our act in place. That means we better get our love walk sorted out. Say Amen in Jesus' Name. I said we better get our love walk sorted out. We better get our love for one another sorted out. We better make up our mind 
We are family for life, for life. Family for life. When Jesus even told us, your family is not your mother, your brothers and your sisters. Your family are those who do the will of the Father. Your family goes way beyond your natural bloodline. Your family are those who are born again, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Are you listening to me? So I mean, if I'm a young Christian and I remember when, thank God for His grace, I was in this home cell where everybody was fighting one another, Christians. The one was a dentist, the one was this and they were. And I was sitting there as a young person, I came out of the world and now I'm sitting in the home cell, I have to learn about Jesus Christ and they have a gossip session. And I thought, it didn't make any sense to me because we were not like that in the world. Do you understand what I'm saying? In the world, we never spoke about our friends. As a matter of fact, in the world, if we knew you, you hit a friend, we would go and get you. And if you were bigger, we'd use a baseball bat or something. But you were not gonna touch our friend and just walk away like you did nothing. Cause we, I can't say at covenant, but we had something that for almost 40 years I've been looking for in the church. I hope you even are hearing what I'm saying because you're all praying for revival, but the, the atmosphere for revival is love. Unconditional love, love. Love beyond your human natural means. Love beyond your offense. Love beyond your opinion. Love. This is my brother. This is my sister. No matter what the color. This is my brother. This is my sister. No matter the floor. This is my brother. This is my sister. Some of you as parents will know. Your child went through a divorce and you covered that and you loved them. Your child messed up. You loved them and you covered them. Don't forget. Don't forget the journey that God has taken you through and stay anchored in the grace, in the love, in the mercy of God and dependent every day of your life upon the saving grace of Jesus Christ so that you always remember, but for the grace of God, there go I. But for the grace of God, there go I. Even if you have everything together and you shoot by now, if you've been saved for a long time. It doesn't make you better than the young person that got saved last week, that maybe fell this week and is back in church tonight and just feeling guilty and full of shame. And I'm saying to that person, don't give up, don't quit, don't run away from God. Just draw to God, come to God as you are. Come to God, come back to God, come back to God. Stay in the presence of God, stay in the presence of God's love. Because one day I promise you, you're gonna be worshiping God and your heart is gonna break and you are gonna repent. In one day something is gonna change in your life. Something is gonna shift. But there's no man, no woman on this earth that can shift anything in another human being's heart. We can place rules, restrictive measures, which we do as parents, I understand. I also gated my children and there were some no-goes in my house. David came back with a hubbly bubbly. He's sitting there in Johannesburg. I can tell you, Sinew, my son. Came, great college, came back from a tour. And he had a hubbly bubbly. And he walks in with that hockey bag of his. Actually, what's an Isaac? No, nothing. I said, I want to see that nothing. And he saw the love of his father in action. <laughs> oh, Davey, look at you now, man of God, on fire, doing great things for God. And I said to David, I said, I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to judge you, but this nonsense I'm not allowing. You're not going to smoke marijuana like I did. Dad, you did, I can't know. I said, I didn't have Jesus, you have Jesus. So it's not gonna happen. I said to my son often, I love you so much. I'm gonna hit the hell out of you. I will beat your friends, call your friends fathers. I'll beat them all, smack everybody, slap everybody, but I'll fight for your soul. I'm not letting the world get a hold of you. So I'm not saying you allow anything in your child's life, but I always put my arms around him and loved 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 him. I had a, he had this little girlfriend that came to visit him. Well, she wasn't so little. She was, um, whatever, David, I, now my boy. 
And uh, I say to her one day, as she walks in, I said, are you allowing my son to touch you? She said, hey, pastor, what say you? I said, look for me. I said, you see, I'm going to get out of here and get out of here. Here is my son. I make him great for the year. So I'm not saying I did allow my kids to do anything. I was a father that was engaged. But more than that, I, was, I loved them. And the way David changed, and it's his testimony that I'm sharing tonight, okay? For three months, he saw the other side of his father. Love, but firmness. Challenge me. Kijk man, I could buy a Liverpool kisses in my living again and so forth. And he stands there. Any case. So, um, I put my arm around him, always put my arm around him, always hugged him, even though he was as stiff as a plank because it's now this rebellion trying to come into you. But I knew the force in me was greater than that sin. And I knew the way I was going to win my son is not by, 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 by just with a firm hand. I had to love him through it. And I'll never forget the day we were walking in the garden. My arm was around him like this. He was 16 years old. 16 or 17. You know what was he, David? 17, okay. And um, my arm was around him, walked in the garden. And I said to him again, I said, my boy, the devil is not going to get a hold of you. I'll fight for you. And you may not see it as love, but I'll fight for you. I'll fight my arms off. So my arms stomp his beklei. Dan sal ek my bene tot by die knie afskop. Maar vir jou gaan ek beklei. Hierdie wereld gaan vir jou nie kry nie. And I put my arm around him and I just hugged him. And suddenly he fell to the ground. My big boy fell to the ground on his knees. He said, Daddy, I don't know what's happened to me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he repented. But it was a three-month battle without me rejecting him, without me telling him, you dirty, foul person, just being firm with him and loving 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 him. Oh, come on, and loving him and loving him and loving him and loving him. And when I least expected it, he just dropped to his knees in the garden and repented and gave his life to Jesus Christ again. And that was the battle over in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. God's love, God's love, God's love and God's love alone. So let's be a church where everybody is welcome. Let's be a church that loves one another. Let's be a church where people walk in you, where they can feel the love of God, no matter where they come from, no matter how much or how little money they have, that they can come and experience and encounter a Saviour that loves them more than anything else in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your seats. And no greater power in this world than God's love. And you're sitting here tonight, maybe in Bloemfontein, Johannesburg, Cape Town, Durban, Pastor Glenn, here tonight. Welcome him. It's almost time to say bye-bye to him. <laughs> They keep the camera on him. <laughs> okay, put it back to me. <laughs> this God thing is real. We all works in process, works in progress. And I think when you are surrounded by people that love you unconditionally and accept you in the difficult times of your life with firm love, it will help you through anything you are battling with and wrestling with. Let me assure you that Jesus will never stop loving you. And there is nothing that you will ever do that will make Jesus love you less. And the only way you will ever find yourself and find true freedom is in finding Him, the light of the world. That woman caught in adultery, remember? John chapter 8. I want to do preach about her. And caught in the very act. And the men brought her and threw her at the feet of Jesus and said, the law of Moses says she should be stoned. 
And what did Jesus do? He went to a level. He stooped on the ground and He wrote. And people left. And He said, He that is without sin, cast the first stone. And they all left, being convicted by their conscience. Because not one of them could stand these sinless, as righteous as they appeared. And Jesus demonstrates grace over the law. Because what the law could not do, God did by sending His Son and condemned sin in the flesh. He died and broke the power of sin. This woman caught in adultery, brought by the men. How did they catch her? What were they doing there? Waiting their turn. What? Sometimes we want to eradicate sin because we're afraid of that. We don't want to be exposed to things because we're insecure in that area. So he goes to a level and just gently says, He that is without sin, throw the first stone. They all leave. And he's left alone with this woman. And she says, Where are my accusers? Have they all left? No one left to condemn me. What did he say to her? He said, Neither do I condemn you. Then go and sin no more. So before he requires repentance, he displays unconditional love and mercy where she is. Opposite to what the law demands punishment, guilty. She needs to be punished, she needs to be labeled but not Jesus. He breaks the rule book and He writes a relationship book. He establishes the grace and the mercy of God, which is the only remedy, which is the antidote to sin. Hear me clearly, Christian. The antidote is never gonna change. It is the Gospel of Christ because the Gospel of Jesus is the power of God unto salvation. There is no other remedy. There is no other sacrifice. And if you could get yourself right, you'd be right long ago. If you could fix yourself, you would have, you could fix yourself without Jesus coming into this world. So to preach repentance without people encountering love is totally doctrinally incorrect. Hear me loud and clear. Preaching repentance without preaching God's unconditional love and allowing a sinner to be touched by the unconditional love of God is wrong doctrine. I'll say it loud and clear because your repentance as a work of the flesh will never break the power of sin over your life. I mean, the Jesuits and the Roman Catholics in the old times they would make penance for their sin and hit themselves and whip themselves and crawl and go through all things to try and earn God's forgiveness. And every time they had to do the same thing because they could not break the power of sin over their life until they received the revelation. And it came in the Middle Ages that no one is justified outside of grace. You are justified by grace and grace alone. You are righteous by grace and grace alone. The power of sin is broken over your life by grace and grace alone. If grace saved you, then it's grace that will keep you saved, my brother and my sister. You cannot start in grace and now you are perfected by the works of the law. Now you practice religious rules and laws to try and keep yourself justified and perfect. No. You are justified, you are saved, you are sanctified, work in process. Heilig making, heilig gang, wat die proces is, dier die genade van die Heere Jesus Christus, en dier genade alleen, nie dier jou werke nie, nie dier jou goeie werke nie, maar dier die genade van Jesus Christus. Sê amen vanavond. Dit is die genade wat jou gereed het, dit is die genade wat jou gereed hou. Nie jou goeie werke nie. And Paul wants the church in Galatians 3, he says, O oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, having begun in the Spirit, saved by grace, have you now been made perfect by the works of the law? You can't mix grace and law. So you can take a firm stance, but you have to be anchored in the unconditional love of God. And once she experienced, listen and think about this, acceptance. She's caught in the act. It's not somebody that says, oh, she committed adultery. She's humiliated. She's exposed. She's thrown at the foot of a whole group of men, ready to stone her. Imagine, see the picture in the Bible. And here comes Jesus 
And what does He do? He covers her nakedness and He loves her where she was, in the state that she was. And that is what changes her and breaks the power for sin and changes the desire, the nature of sin. And then He says, go and sin no more. He didn't start the conversation with girl, you're not good enough for God. You want God's love? You better repent and stop what you are doing. Did he? No. He loved her, accepted her, never condemned her, broke the power. Listen, because it's the only thing that can break the power of sin is God's love. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. And yes, the paycheck for sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And if you pursue God, the closer you get to God, the less you will want to sin. If you just this once in an occasion Christian, then you're never going to win that battle. You have to go for your chemotherapy. You have to get into the presence of God. You have to be saturated by God's love. You have to be filled with the Spirit of God. And as you are filled with God's presence, sin is pushed out of you. Desire changes. You are sanctified by God. You can't sanctify yourself. You can't cleanse yourself. You can't justify yourself. Luister toch vir my mooi. Luister wat ek vir julle sê. As julle ooit vir my geluister het, luister vir my vanavond. Luister mooi. Want daar is nie aan antwoord nie. Die oomblik, as jy iemand laat skuldig voel, gaan jy die persoon nie wen vir die Heere nie. Jesus het die vrou, die vrou van Samaria, die vrou wat in Simon, die fariseers huis was, wat in sy eie kop gedink het, as hy een ware profeet was, dan die geweet wat die type vrou hierdie is, die vrou wat oor sy voete geheil het met trane, en Simon, die Simon the Pharisee stands there, and he looks at this picture, Jesus, a rabbi, and he says, if Jesus knew what filthy woman this was. And Jesus, I have something to say to you, Simon, because he reads our thoughts, right? Uh, when you think about your brother a certain way, he reads your thoughts. He says, I've got something to tell you. I've got something to tell you, Mr. Apriap. This woman, since I've come, you haven't stopped crying. But you, you never even asked for mercy once. You never even washed my feet. You never even received me. You tolerated me. But this woman, whose sins are many, are forgiven. And he said to her, go, your faith has made you whole. Well, Simon the Pharisee and all the other Pharisees looked at this woman. And in their religious minds, they could not figure it out. How can somebody labeled unclean and unholy be touched by a rabbi? Because Jesus came and changed the rules. The unholy touched becomes holy. The unclean touched becomes clean. The unsanctified touched becomes sanctified. The unrighteous touched by the love of God becomes righteous. Come on, give the Lord a praise tonight. Amen. Come on, CRC. Come on. Give the Lord a praise. Come on, let's praise Him for His love. Let's praise Him for His mercy. Come on, young people. We are going to see our whole world changed. We're going to see young people come to Christ like never. The outcast, the downtrodden, the lost, the broken, the messed up, the abused. You know, when, 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 when people are sinning, they know it. People say you have to point out their sin. Oh no, they know they're sinning. You have to point them to a Savior. Amen. Fine to have a conversation like I had with David. I'm not allowing this, Davy. This is not going to fly. I'm going to let the world have you. That's Father's Son. Privilege. Private conversation. Further on, Get your backside in church. Get yourself in the presence of God. Amen. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, no one moving, please. Bloemfontein, Pretoria, 
all our wonderful churches tonight. Wherever you are, you're not outside of God's reach. And tonight you've heard the gospel that God loves you as you are where you are. But you have to understand that you cannot change yourself. You need a Saviour. And if you have symptoms of sin in your life, you need a physician. You need to realise I'm lost. And if you have fallen away from God's grace, you have to receive God's grace again. If you've walked away from God like the prodigal son, you have to come back to your father's house who's waiting for you. There's no sin he cannot forgive. There's nothing you do that will make God stop loving you. And tonight God is touching your heart. He's knocking there and He's calling you to surrender your life to Jesus. Come back to Jesus. Before the end of this year, you've planned whatever you have planned. I got saved as I went on my matric holiday. Whoopie doopie doo. Planned a lot of things and I got saved. There my body was spoiled. I still went and I saved my friends. As drunk as they were, I went with them to the clubs and everywhere and I saved them. Led them to Jesus, one after the other, as drunk as they were. Because I found Jesus. Tonight, if you had to die in the next 24 hours, you don't know where you would spend eternity. It's time to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. If you don't have peace in your heart with God, it's time to come home to Jesus. If you feel you have failed God, it's time to accept God's forgiveness. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're sitting here tonight. You say, Pastor, that's me. I need a fresh start with God. I need a new beginning. If that's your desire, right here in Pretoria, there in Bloemfontein, in all our churches, that's your desire tonight. There's a stirring in your heart and you know God's talking to you tonight. And you need God's forgiveness and you need a fresh start with God tonight. I want to pray for you. If that's your desire, while every head is bowed, people praying, every eye closed, quietly wherever you are, just slip up your hand. I want to say a prayer for you all over this place. Raise it up high, high, high. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Raise it up. Raise it up. Thank you. God bless you. Bless you. God bless you. God bless you up there. God bless you. Raise it up. Now, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Come on there in Bloomingdale on the floor of the balcony. Raise your hand. Say yes. Tonight, I'm coming back. I'm coming home. God bless you. God bless you. If you see the repentance Jesus preached for you biblical scholars, he said, repent and believe the respond. And I think the church has forgotten the message of the gospel. Forgotten the message. And if you forget the gospel, you become loveless towards lost people. I don't even talk about it in the church. I pray to God that you make up your mind. I don't care what church somebody is in. If people are born again, never say a word against them. Don't do the work of the devil. in Cape Town we saw one of the big drug dealers get saved he had like 50 or 60 of his lieutenants there etc many of them got saved etc so what we do is working uh, I, uh, I just want to say this it should be working in the church more than out in the crusade field because we should believe the gospel more than people who hear the gospel the first time so something really gets messed up when we get confused about the message of the gospel and religion takes the place of the gospel. So I promise you in the new year, I'm going to teach on the gospel because the gospel is the power unto salvation to everyone. There's no other power. There's no, there's, and that is a revelation of God's love for humanity, for all humanity, all humanity. So what makes my sin bigger than your sin? 
Mm. What makes your sin less than my sin? I'm asking. Never judge a sinner and never judge. Because I promise you, I come out of that school. It's mean, it's religious, it's hard. I come out of the faith, the Word of Faith movement, where they were like the ultimate sins. That like, kijk ook wel. We gaan recht hel toe. But then you read the Bible, it puts them all together. Go pick your sin and find the sin that you have now magnified and show me where that sin is categorized by itself in the New Testament. Go find it. Go find it. Go find it. So if you want me to talk against one thing, then I should talk against all of you. Because you all fell in one of those categories. Yeah. A sinner saved by grace. Not a little sinner saved by grace. Not a big sinner saved by grace. We have all sinned. Al het jy die Bijbel gekwoteer van die dag wat jy gebore is. Is jy in sonde gebore. En jy is gelijkstaande aan die ergste sondaar wat ooit op die aarde geloop het. Jammer vir jou, want dis sonde. Oe, sikkel van jylle theologische studenten nou, met die klassificering van sonde. Amen. I tell you, the world is crying out for the gospel, and we are not going to become a church that labels people and categorizes people. It's never going to happen. Never. Never. It doesn't mean we condone any sin. It means we understand the remedy is in the person of Jesus Christ. Nothing else. And we have to give people grace to come and experience God's love. Might be the first week, might be the 10th week. I don't know. But when you get into God's presence, somewhere, something is going to change. Like it did in my son after three weeks, of having an intense relationship with him. I never stopped loving him, putting my arm around him, saying, Davy, I love you. I love you more than anything. And because I love you, I won't tolerate this, but I love you. Never doubt my love for you. I don't care what you do. I will never stop loving you. I don't love you conditionally. I don't love you less because of the hubbly bubbly. <laughs> okay, doesn't mean you can, not you, I mean you can continue to smoke marijuana, okay? I had to go throw my stashes away when I got saved, all right? But first, just get saved. And then you do what you have to do. Put your hand on your heart. Pray this prayer with me tonight. Say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I surrender everything to you. Thank you for loving me so much that you died for my sin. I believe you are the Christ. I believe you rose from the grave. And I thank you tonight that your grace is sufficient to save me and to break the power of sin over my life. I give my life to you. I repent through your grace from sin to follow you from this day on in Jesus' name. We hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message. If you have been touched by our ministry, you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website at crcchurch.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.